This is the first sound pastor in all these years that we've been together that I got to preach two Sundays in a row. Well, there's a danger in that. I get what I call dangerously comfortable. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, it's okay, Pastor. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to frighten anybody. <laughs> I, I'm excited. The last couple of weeks have been a lot of fun. Um, last week I was able to point out my brother Mark and his wife Tanya being here with us from Florida. And this week, Ruthie's brother David and his wife Sharon, we are here. Amen. So I look around the room. I have two of my sons, one of my nephews. And then, of course, Nicole is here. And Nicole brought Abby with her today. She's, Abby's too cute to be real. And how old is she? Ah, exciting. And uh, where'd she go? She's downstairs. Okay. I, I brought so many family members with me that I'm... Frightened, did I leave any of them out? I got them all? <laughs> Lunch today won't be awkward now. <laughs> well, praise God. Last week, we covered a subject. By the way, Heather's here. Heather's like family. We love you, Heather. God bless you. Lunch will be okay. <laughs> All right. Last week we covered a subject that had to do with uh, positional truth, right, Pastor? Uh, in Christ. And, and how if we could just get a hold of that message, if we just live our lives based on that consciousness that we're in Christ, how dynamic that would be and how great it would be. I, I would have almost rather have preached last, sermon, last week's sermon this week and this week's sermon last week in a way. But positional truth is so important in the mind of God, he put it in first. Does that mean something to you? It should mean something to you. But have you ever noticed that children of God who first get saved don't wake up the next morning going, thank you, Lord, that I'm hidden with Christ in you? No. No, they wake up generally upset about so many things have changed. When, when you get saved, you give your heart and life to Christ, everything changes but some old habits can linger. Isn't that true? And, and then the devil rushes in and tries to beat you to death with the guilt feelings that you have because things changed on the inside, but not everything changed on the outside yet. And that takes time, right? And, and when I talked a little bit about the, the teeth of the devil being pulled... You need to know that because if you think that the devil is going about, it's like a, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and that's may, not will. It's may, right, Pastor? You, you, you can't be devoured if you don't let yourself be devoured, all right? Don't let the devil bury you in doubt, fear, and unbelief about your Christian life and your Christian growth and your Christian experience. Just it's a quality decision. That, that's the title of our message today, Life, a Series of Quality Decisions, all right? And it's important that we dwell on this for a little bit. Um, how many of you know that I don't care who you are or where you're at in your life spiritually, sin always has consequences? Always has, always will. I, I know 
Uh, I love, I only have one grandson. I got a lot of granddaughters and I love them all, but I got one grandson and that is one intelligent little boy. He's a smart little guy. He does things with Legos that sometimes, frankly, just frightens me, okay? <laughs> one day when Aaron and I were at his house, we went into the kitchen and we're talking and Asa was just a little bitty guy, but he had crawled up on the back of the couch. He wanted to fly like Superman. You ever been there? Well, he, he took, for whatever reason, the, the cord that controlled these real elaborate window dressings that my daughter-in-law had on the wall, and he tied the string around his waist and whew, took off, right? He's going flying, right? Well, that cord got the end there. Wham! It sounded like a tree fell and landed in the living room. So we thought, somebody's dead, right? We ran into the living room, and there's my grandson. He's hunched over, and he's doing his best to get that knot untied, and he's looking at us, right? <laughs> my son Aaron, better father than I ever dreamed of being. He quietly walks over and unties the knot. Doesn't say a word. Takes his, my beloved grandson, by the hand and starts walking towards the bedroom. Doesn't say a word. My grandson looks back over his shoulder with big white eyes and says, I don't think I want to do this. <laughs> I don't think I want to do this, right? But they did it. They walked back and they had a father-son conference, you know. I don't know if he's tied himself off to any more window dresses. But things we do in life, they have consequences. Now, I, before, I, before I read the scripture, i got to tell you one more thing. For, for everybody, there's a list of sins. You get my drift? At work, sometimes they ask us, um, they ask us, well, we got this thing here. We, there's this method of how we get this done. We need a subject matter expert, an SME. How many of you ever heard of an SME? Well, they'll, they'll make you go train and train and train until you become a subject matter expert, right? So I kept saying over and over again to myself, well, you know, we're subject matter experts in sin. <clears throat> but that's not true. The Lord dealt with me about that. And uh, the Lord told me, you're not a subject matter expert on sin. You're a subject matter expert on sinning. There's a difference. God is the one who's a subject matter expert on sin. Remember what we said last week? Paul said, if it hadn't been for the law, I wouldn't have known what sin was. We're not even smart enough to know what wrong is if God doesn't tell us what wrong is. Think about that. We're not smart enough. Folks, listen to me. I, 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 Y'all think I'm joking about this, but I'm not a real smart guy. But the Word of God, man, it's got the edge, right? The Word of God. Re look at this with me. But, but, but one last thing before I, before I read this scripture. <clears throat> How many of you remember when Krispy Kreme Donuts opened up in town? I went by there. Not supposed to. I, I mean, I'm a diabetic. You know what I'm saying? Went by there and I said, I made up my mind. And listen, we, we make up our minds sometimes to embrace things we shouldn't, don't we? Hey, oh, don't look at me like I'm the only one. Come on now. Please, you know? Um, and, and I'll say this to you. Most of the, uh, the major things in my life that I've ever done wrong, that I decided I'm going to do this, I'm going to embrace this, you think it's going to be a secret, don't you? God has always got me caught. You're going to get caught anyway. You understand what I'm saying? 
And how many of you know that's embarrassing? Get caught. It's embarrassing. The Lord, the other day, I don't hear the audible voice of God, but good ideas rise up on the inside of me. I know they didn't come from this puny brain, right? You know what the Lord dealt with about? Well, you could just say thank you. He loved me enough for me to get caught. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and then you got to deal with it. You get caught, you got to deal with it, right? So I'm just saying, thank you, Lord. I got caught, right? All right, so having said all that, I went into a Krispy Kreme donut place. And I walk up, and they're like the rack's full, right? I can feel my bloodstream getting extra chunky as I'm standing there, right? My blood's saying, excuse me, pardon me, coming through, right? I stand there, and I order six of those bad boys. Just the ones that are like the sugar-frosted glaze, brother, right? This girl smiles at me. She looks down at that rack of donuts, and she spins around. She walks back into the cleanest meth lab I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and she scooped them donuts up off of the conveyor whilst they were still dripping, <laughs> right, and laid them in the box, right? And, and I proceeded to drive down the road eating the only donut in the world that when you bite it, it melts in your mouth. It goes somewhere else, but it melts in your mouth, right? I ate all six of them. And I left the stinking box in the floor. <laughs> okay, that's enough of that. Anyway, I love you, Ruthie. <laughs> all right, life, a series of quality decisions. Colossians 3, verses 5 through 11. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And then the list, then there's a list. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Krispy Kreme donuts. On account of these, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Now, what is it on account of these? It's a list of sin in the world. Because of this list of sin in the world, right? All right. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on the world. In these, you too once walked. I love the way the Word of God talks about sin in our lives as past tense. Even though on the outside, it isn't always all cleaned up looking. You need to know that because I'm going to break this truth to you right now. All you got to do to lose is quit. Quit fighting. Quit trying. Flush the toilet on any concern about sin in your life and just lay down and die. And that's the only way you're going to lose. Because when you got saved, a whole lot of things happened on the inside of you. A whole lot of good things, right? All right. In these you two once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. How many of you know you're being renewed? You're, you're, not, a, you're not, you know, it ain't over yet, right? A friend of mine took T-shirts to Africa and gave them away to people. He'd fly his little Cessna in and break out the T-shirts and people would come out of the jungle and hadn't seen anybody really outside of their own people. And he'd give them T-shirts. And they loved the T-shirts and they would listen to his message, Right? 
He said, in South America once, he said, I had a group of people that walked out of the jungle, literally with bones in their nose, things like that, right? He said, some of them were nearly seven feet tall. They're buck naked. I gave them a T-shirt. And he said, here's this man standing in front of me. He was like six foot eight, had a bone in his nose, naked from the waist down, and the T-shirt said, be patient with me. God's not finished with me yet. <laughs> now, you, you, you ain't like that. You know what I'm saying? You're, you, oh, well, anyway. Okay. Okay, the old self with its practices, and okay, back up. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all in all. And just before I pray, I'm going to remind you, you can't walk out here and say this sermon isn't for you because you're in that list of people there. You're in that list. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. In other words, Christ died for everybody. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you right now for the positional truth that we talked about last week, but I want to thank you even more for the practical application that we're going to talk about this week. It's my prayer that no one will leave this room today without being touched by your word and helped today and strengthened today. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. I don't think that I need to waste your time listing the sins in that list one by one by one and expounding on them. Does anybody need to be taught about sin today? I don't think so. I, I think that we're pretty good and well-practiced at, at the sin thing. Amen? Some of you don't look so sure. <laughs> but trust me. Trust me on this one. All right? All right. <clears throat> I want to I refer to another passage of Scripture that I think will be important to us. It'll help us. All those sins that were listed there are included in what I'm about to read to you in the Bible. And we're going to approach this from that angle. How many people here serve in the military or have served in the military? One of the, one of the thank you, by the way, one of the most important things about having served in the military, I believe all of you would agree, that if you know what the enemy is going to try to do against you, if you know his game plan, you're ahead, aren't you? If you know exactly what he's going to do, you can plan for it, right? Well, the Word of God's very explicit. It'll tell you what the devil's up to, and it'll tell you exactly how he comes against you. Now, I'm not going to be talking today about the, the, the part of the aspect about how many you know that the devil tried to come against your physical body? He'll try to make you sick. We want to deal with the sin aspect of it today, not that aspect of it. We're going to talk about the only ways that the devil's allowed to come at you, come after you when it pertains to sin. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, it says, For all that is in the world, say that with me, For all that is in the world, one more time, For all that is in the world, that world word there is talking about this world system. The world as it is after Adam and Eve handed it over to the devil. All right? For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and, the, and, the, and this version said the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. <clears throat> I saw that and I said, yep, 
That's, that's what Colossians chapter 3, that whole list, that, that can be encapsulated in those three things. How do I know? Well, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise or smarter than God. Are you following with me? She took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. All three of the things listed in 1 John chapter 2, 16 described how Satan went after Eve. Guys, don't get down on Eve. Eve was deceived. Adam was not. Eve was deceived. Adam knew what he was doing, guys. All right? So don't be mad at Eve. Don't be down on her and thinking that we're so great and Eve was so bad. Eve was deceived, Adam was not. But how did she get deceived? She got deceived because for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. She heard what the devil had to say, and she took him at his word. She believed him. Am I right or wrong? Think about it now. Think about it. How many of you know that the word of God explains the word of God? You want to learn something from the Bible? Stick in the Bible, right? Stay with the Bible, right? So you got that big, long list of sins, but they fit in those three things for all that's in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. It's not from the Father, but it's from the world. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes. You know, that's why the devil likes to make sin look like a Krispy Kreme donut. It's not all ugly. If, if, if I stood here and told you sin's not fun, I'm a liar. Tell you right now, sin's fun. There's a lot of sin out there that's just plain fun. If it wasn't, you know, we wouldn't do it. Wouldn't line up for it in Vegas or whatever. I'm not, how many of you know you can sin right here in Anchorage? You ain't got to fly to Vegas to sin, right? <laughs> I'm not picking on Vegas. I know pastors got family there. <laughs> See, you, you meet Greg. Is he going to Vegas again? <laughs> got family there. Lighten up, right? <laughs> All right. So, sin's not always ugly. Sin can be pretty, pretty. Pretty nice looking, right? But there are certain things that God has said you can do and certain things you shouldn't do because it plants your feet in hell or it'll hurt you even at the least. I don't care who you are, sin always has consequences. Don't ever forget that. It might help you stop playing around with some of it. How many of you know we need all the help we can get? All right? I wrote some solid notes here. Listen, I just want to just share them with you real quick here. I'm going to run down through them. God told Eve that she couldn't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the devil told her that she would be like God if she ate the, from the tree, appealing to her pride of life. That's the whole thing in the Garden of Eden. Who's going to be in charge? Has that changed? The devil, the devil would like to tell you, you know more about what you should do with your life than God does. Don't listen to God. God doesn't really know what you need. You know better what you need. You know? It's like at work, I, 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 I am a supervisor. I told a guy, this is what you're going to do. He said, I don't want to do that. I said, good thing I didn't make it a suggestion. I didn't make it, you know, debatable. Go do it. And he went and did it, right? God tells us 
things that are spiritually unhealthy for us to do, and we need to avoid them like the plague. All right. Rather than bowing down, trusting, and worshiping God, the pride of life motivates us, as it did Eve, to want to see ourselves as smarter than God. Eve also saw that the tree was good for food, meaning that it looked like it would taste good and be satisfying and enjoyable to eat. But the pleasures of sin are temporary, and Eve fell for the lust of the flesh, trusting in her own reasoning rather than the word of God spoken to her. The lust of the flesh trusts man's judgment, man's feelings, and temporary conveniences in lieu of God's inalterable word. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 14 tells us that sin does not always necessarily appear as ugly, dirty, and destructive. For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Sometimes it even appears as a Krispy Kreme donut. The fruit that God told Eve not to eat was extremely enticing, attractive in its appearance. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life all work in collaboration to lead us astray, to keep us from trusting God's word, and to fall for the schemes of the devil. There is a battle that take, takes place daily, even moment by moment, between the spirit and the flesh. Galatians chapter 5, 17 says, For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. Mm. But Galatians 5, 16 says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Isn't that something? So we've read in Colossians chapter 3, long list of sins. We read in 1 John that they're encapsulated in the three ways that the devil tries to fish you in, right? Tries to, to get you in. We've gone to the book of Genesis, and we have seen that that's exactly what Satan did to deceive Eve. Are you following with me? Are you tracking with me? Say, well, Brother Dennis, how many of you know in a multitude of witnesses let a thing be established? In the mouth of two or three witnesses, even, it says. In the mouth of two or three witnesses let a thing be established. So, how many of you remember the, the message that, and, and Pastor preached on this when we went through Matthew. In Matthew chapter 4, or in Matthew, I, I, I did not write, yeah, Matthew chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. This is Jesus. Watch what happened. The devil's there, right? Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I can't even fast three days and I'm eating the labels off of cans, you know? But you know what Jesus was doing there? Jesus was showing the devil, you can nail both my hands to a cross and both my feet and I can still beat you. You know what I'm saying? That's Jesus, the one that lives on the inside of us. He deliberately did not eat, didn't consume any of that for 40 days and faced the devil. Amen? It, 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 the devil saw it as, I'm going to hit Jesus while he's weak, and Jesus sees it as, I'm made strong in Father. I've spent time alone with him, and nothing was in the way. Jesus is smart. Amen? Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Don't lust of the flesh. Your, your body's hungry. Feed it. The devil said, Hey, you're hungry. You should eat. Right? Jesus said, Not time yet, right? But what did Jesus say? 
It is written, but he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Man, isn't that something? Jesus could have gone into a big lecture about how, well, you know, um, there, there is a verse of Scripture that has to do with that, but you've misquoted it. Notice that Jesus didn't debate with him. He just hit him with the word. Just hit him with the word. So um, Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you should not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. If you think for one minute that Satan didn't have the goods to deliver to Jesus if he had bowed down to worship him, you're mistaken. Because all that Satan offered Jesus in that third temptation was all that the physical realm that Adam and Eve turned over to him way back in Genesis. So he had, he had that to give him. It was a bargaining chip, you know. But God, Jesus didn't want the cities, didn't want the kingdoms of this world. He wanted me and Greg and you. <laughs> he wanted us. Jesus wanted us. He wasn't going to get us in that deal. He wasn't going to get us in that bargain. So he just hammered the devil with the word, the written word. The same written word that you and I have, right? All that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, we've already seen it. We saw it talked about in 1 John chapter 2. We've gone all the way back to Genesis, and we found out that those were the three bats that he beat Eve up with. And then he tried to use those same bats on Jesus, and Jesus just turned them on him. He beat the devil with the word of God. Amen? Jesus went to the cross sinless. He did not sin. He went sinless. That's why he could pay the price for us. He went sinless. Now, I, I'm going to tell you a cold, hard truth today. Till the day you go to be with Jesus, you're going to be fighting this fight. You're never going to get too old to fight it, as long as there's breath in your body. But I, all I'm going to say is fight it, though. The only way you can lose is to quit. Amen? God help us to let this message pierce the void. Amen? So we, we've seen it in the New Testament. We saw it in the Old Testament with, with Adam and Eve, those three attacks of, the Satan, of Satan, the three attacks of Lucifer on our lives. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. And you know, it's, it's, I'm going to tell you it's terrible. It's terrible, and I'll tell you why. How many of you know God made us uh, and, and we got to eat? We got to eat. You know what I'm saying? Trust me when I tell you that I've never murdered anyone in my life, but I've overeaten a few times. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I mean, sin is sin, right? And, and we're all fighting these battles in our life. Don't, just don't quit fighting. Do more trusting in God than fighting, but keep fighting. 
you fall flat on your face, the thing the devil can't stand is when you let the Holy Spirit rush in and pick you up and dust you off and move you forward like nothing ever went wrong. He can't stand that. He wants to bury you in guilt. He wants to bury you in despair. He wants you to think you're never going to get out. You're never going to be pleasing to God. I want to tell you something. You were real pleasing to God the day you got saved. He got so happy, he rejoiced in heaven and all the angels joined in with him. Amen? But how many of you want to know today, how can I win more battles than I'm losing? How can I get to where I win more often than I lose? How can I get to where I'm on this level playing field where I'm winning a lot? I'd love to tell you that you're never going to sin again. I'd love to tell you that. It's highly unlikely. Let's, are we being honest with each other? Are we being brutally honest with each other? But how many of you know we'd all be a lot happier with less sin in our lives? Amen? And as children of God, that's where we're supposed to be heading. Let's get on the train. Let's get on with the business of being a Christian. That's what I'm saying. Amen? Okay, so how can I win? All right, first of all, you, you need to start making the correct quality decisions. And the first one is this. Make a quality decision to know and trust God's inalterable word. In Matthew chapter 4, in verses 4, 6, and 10, Jesus said what to the devil? What did he say? Three words. It is written. Don't, don't be afraid. It is written. Say it with me again. It is written. One more time. It is written. I wrote this note. From now on, conduct combat operations with the Word of God. From now on, Conduct combat operations with the Word of God. Amen? However, you cannot say what is written if you do not know what is written. Eves, where are you? Eves, wave at me. Eves, what's in your pocket? What did you show me that's in your pocket? Pull it out and wave it in the air. You know what? Read that out loud. Just read it. Eve's a, this is important. You need to know this. Hanging out with me is dangerous. You never know when you're going to become a sermon illustration, like on the spur of the moment, right? My kids used to tell their friends, yes, you can come play at our house, but you need to know you're running a risk. <laughs> you could end up as a sermon illustration. Man's walking around with written scripture on little pieces of paper in his pocket that he can yank out at any time. Yeah, and read it. You've got to feed on the Word. You've got to get it down on the inside of you so the Holy Spirit can bring it out of you at times when you need to quote it. And you need to quote it and, and, and help you steer the ship away from the reef. There's dangers under that water level. Rip a ship wide open. Sink it. You know? Sink it. <clears throat> but you can steer that ship with the Word of God. Learn Scripture. Feed on it. Get it on the inside of you. You know, you know the world understands advertising principles. They'll use the lust of the flesh against you. You know, all you got to do is go shopping, turn on your TV, advertising. You know, enough said about that. All right, so first, make a quality decision to know and trust God's inalterable word, inalterable word, but you got to know it. 
You got to get it on the inside of you. Got to go after it. Point number two, make a quality decision to learn to listen to the Spirit's leading in our lives. Like in Galatians 5, 16, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Mm. <clears throat> if, how many of you here ever ran a marathon? Around the block. Hey, I, I once climbed flat top and someone gave me three tangerines and saved my life. <laughs> With three tangerines, all right? You know, uh, what I'm trying to say is if you decided I want to run a marathon, would you go out and run one next week? No. You'd have to train yourself to get ready to run the marathon. This isn't any different. You've got to train yourself to recognize the Holy Spirit when he's talking to your thick head. When he speaks up on the inside of you. Amen? Amen. I'm going to come back to that with the third point. Make a quality decision to starve sin to death. Colossians 3, 5 said, put to death. Say that with me. Put to death. What does that tell me? That tells me I have a part to play in this. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I gotta, you mean I got to make a decision? I got to do something? You know, Christ has done a lot of good things for me, but every now and then, God tells you, you stand up and say no. Stand up and do what you're supposed to do. Don't do that. Do this. Amen? Every now and then, you just got to do what you're supposed to do. That says you, put to death what is earthly in you. We must reach a point of spiritual maturity where we just start saying no to Krispy Kreme donuts. It's a recurring theme. I can't help it. You cannot feed what you do not practice. Starve it to death. Pastor, you were praying for me today, and God slapped the ever-living snot out of me. Listen to the very carefully. You're praying over there, and the Lord dropped this in my heart. <clears throat> I, I have this beautiful vision of myself kneeling at the cross. And praying. Kneeling at the cross. Isn't that a beautiful picture? God dealt with me and said, yeah, you're willing to kneel at the cross, but you ain't willing to get on it. Now, now why would he say that to me? I know crystal clear why he said it to me. <clears throat> Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, literally went to hell for three days, was raised from the dead, he ends up at the right hand of the Father with the keys to death, hell, and the grave in his hand. That means when he left where he was, he left powerful like. You know what I'm saying? He snatched what Adam and Eve had given to Satan back from him. You know, in the Bible, you know, in Revelation, you got Jesus there with the keys to death, hell, and the grave in his hand. He's got them, right? And you know that, that somewhere along the line, the devil has this bruise in his forehead that is a symbol of a death blow, right? And you know that Jesus healed his bruise, right? But you don't ever see where in the Bible that it happened. Now, I, I'm just making this as, as a, a suggestion, a possible suggestion. What if it was time when Jesus said, it's done, it's over, I'm leaving. And he reached out and he took what he had earned. He snatched the keys to death, hell, and the grave from the devil and started up out of that place. 
I think the devil is stupid enough to reach out and grab him by the ankle for a brief moment <laughs> in time. And I think Jesus hauled off and just kicked him right between the eyes, and he let him go, right? Now, you know, don't go walking out of here eating that like it's a piece of steak, all right? It's just, uh, I told you I was weird. Come on now. <laughs> I, it's just the way I think. You know, what if, what if that was when it happened, you know? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I know that Jesus Christ took stripes on his back, so there was a provision made for my flesh for healing, right? There's a provision for it, all right? He died on the cross for my sins so I could go to heaven, right? Uh, I know that Peter even talked about our souls. He talked about our soul, that it would prosper, that it would grow, that it would, you know, it daily. So, so what I'm trying to say is Jesus Christ died on the cross for me so that my spirit came to life. Eternally, I'm going to be with Jesus forever. I know that my mind can grow in Christ so there's, there's like, the, you know, it grows in salvation. My mental capacity, my thinking. But he did not die for my body. He died on the cross to set an example for me. My flesh ain't supposed to be saved. It's supposed to get killed. I'm supposed to let the flesh die on a cross. He did not die on the cross for me so that I wouldn't have to die on the cross. He died on the cross for me to set an example for me. God help me. Amen? Yeah, I'm willing to kneel before the cross, but I don't want to get on it. I don't want to get on it, but guess what? If you don't get on it, what better place, pastor, to kill the flesh than to nail it to a cross? What did I say last week? Dead men tell no lies. Dead people don't sin. Dead people don't sin. If I become more and more and more conscious that this flesh is supposed to be dead, there ain't a lot to rein in on dead flesh. You understand what I'm saying? It's something to think about. Something to think about. Jesus died on the cross as an example for us. I had a friend of mine that, that was preaching in a, in a citywide service in Nome. So you had Baptist people, Assembly of God people, Moravian people, you had Catholics, you had you know, a whole bunch of different church people represented there. And what he was trying to say was... Um, if, if you were living in the days of Christ when he died on the cross, that was the most shameful way to die. Am I right or wrong, Pastor? If you died on the cross, you were the worst kind of thief or the worst kind of criminal or the worst kind of whatever. And, and the reputation of the cross was such as that. Does that make sense? Are you following? Are you tracking with me? Now... A cross is a beautiful piece of jewelry that you can wear around your neck. Do you know that's because of Jesus? Jesus took all of the shame of the cross and wrung it out. You ever had a, a wet washcloth, Pastor, and you twisted it until you got all the water out of it as much as you could? Jesus wrung all the water out. He wrung out all the shame out of the cross. So now it's a beautiful piece of jewelry that people like to wear around their necks. And just about any kind of person will wear it. That's the amazing thing to me, you know, any walk of life. <clears throat> Let me tell you what that's equivalent of. It'd be the same as if, like, a number of years ago in America, what was the, the, the chosen way of 
of uh, punishing people in capital punishment was an electric chair, but you don't see anybody wearing an electric chair around, a little tiny electric chair around their neck, right? Why? Because it'd be shameful to wear a little tiny electric chair around your neck, right? Now, you, may, you, know, you see the humor in that, but with the cross, it's a thing of beauty. I, I do believe God wants us to nail that flesh to the cross and let it die. Crucify the flesh. That's right, Pastor. You just verified my, my point. I, I say to God, I don't want to go to the cross. A am I just being honest? I don't want to go to the cross. But what did Ryan preach that last sermon that got through to me? Ryan, young Ryan, one of the best young preachers I've ever known in my life. The point that he made was, sometimes for God to teach us things about himself that we don't know, He's got to take us someplace. We don't want to go. I don't want to go there. But I got to go there. But listen to this. I don't think it's a coincidence, Pastor, that the third time Jesus knocked the devil down with it is written what happened to Jesus. Angels came and minister to him. Theory only. Not, not solid rock word, just theory. I'm convinced that if we just step out and start putting it to death, start saying no, start not going there, stop doing it wrong, that the Holy Spirit will rush in and show you himself. That the Holy Spirit will come in and take that thing that has so easily beset you so many times in the past and set you free from it. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not bright enough. I, I just want to step out, trust God, take that step, and then let God help me. That's all I can do. I can't, how many of you know that you can't really get on a cross real good and easy by yourself. You're going to need some help, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Can't do it alone. You're not facing this battle by yourself. You know? All right, look, look, I'm, I'm telling you right now, there, there's room to grow in me. I'm only X number of years old. <laughs> I'm only so many years old. I... I I asked a Sunday school class of little, little kids one day, how many of you want to go to heaven? Every kid raised their hand except one. His eyes got big and round. I said, don't you want to go to heaven? Yeah, pastor, but mama said I got to come home right after Sunday school. I'm not trying to get a bus load up to go <laughs> right now. I'm just saying. I'm not the only one who wants to go to heaven, right? We got we to gotta trust God. We've got to take a stand. We've got to start to say no. You know, we've got to understand that the devil only gets three types of shots at us for, to get us to sin, really. You can make a long list of things that are wrong to do, but it comes down to the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And of the ones that I can think of, the most dangerous one is the pride of life, where the devil tries to convince you that you know more about what you need than God does. You think, well, that's not important. That, there's no way. I know God's way is better. No, no, listen to me. The question of who's going to be in charge is the question that's being asked and answered every day of your life in you and me. 
Amen.